Hello everybody, I'm Matt Mikuchi and you are listening to the Jazz's podcast. And if I have these scars to show for the lessons I've learned, there they are and I have earned them. See, I won't deny what is given to me. So here I am, so glad to be, to be free. Hello everybody, Jazz is Online Editor Matt Mikucci here, welcoming you to a new episode of our podcast series of conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today. A series that we simply like to call The Jazz Is Podcast, and that is brought to you in conjunction with Jazz Is Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz Is editors, and that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have the privilege of hosting a truly exceptional guest, singer-songwriter extraordinaire Dara Star Tucker. Fresh off the release of her eagerly awaited sixth record, which also happens to be her first eponymous album, Dara Star Tucker brings us a fusion of musical brilliance and thought-provoking insights. In this new remarkable collection, she unveils six vibrant original compositions alongside captivating renditions of both modern and classic songs. With her distinctive blend of jazz and roots influences, she leaves an indelible mark on every track. But that's not all, as Tucker's voice extends beyond the realm of music, as she has garnered recognition as a prominent social media commentator on crucial topics such as race, cultural equity, music and film. Today we delve into the depths of Tucker's latest project, exploring the creative journey that brought this album to life. But join us also as we uncover the inspirations, challenges and triumphs that have shaped our artistic path. Prepare to be enthralled as we engage in a riveting conversation with the multi-talented Dara Star Tucker. So fire up an audio teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. This is the Jazz Ace Podcast. Hello, Dara. Welcome to the Jazz Is Podcast. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. One of the things that I like to do for this podcast series is I like to ask the artists that I speak with to kind of share a memory with us about their early life. You know, a musical memory that when they think back to it, they realize that maybe that's where their musical journey started from. Now, I know you actually come from a musical family, so, but is there any, you know, particular moment that you remember very early, maybe in your childhood? you know, like a significant memory that you could share with us? Oh, well, I yeah, I grew up, as you said, I grew up singing in church with my my parents. So one of the first, uh, I have six brothers and sisters, so one of my earliest memories of singing in front of people came when my uh, mother had been working with my two older sisters and I, so I'm number three out of seven. So the two that are above me are, are girls, and so my mother was working with the three of us at home and teaching us how to sing in three-part harmony. And she brought us to our dad, who uh, was a music minister. So he was a minister over a pretty large church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And she brought us to him and said, look what the girls can do. And we sang a song called God is So Good for him in three-part harmony. And he was just so bowled over that he immediately wanted us to do the song in front of the church. And so he brought us 
to church and we were so excited for our little performance, uh, first performance in church. And, uh, he started the song. He played piano for us and we were used to singing in acapella just without, you know, un- unaccompanied. And he started the song on the piano in a key that was just way too low. And so we all tried to start where he was and we all sort of slid up at the same time in three part harmony. We went, God is so good. So we ended up in the key that we were accustomed to and our father just had to stop the whole thing and he just laughed at the microphone and he said you all my daughters are used to doing this uh, on their own so I'm going to let them start and then I'm going to join them so we had that that cassette tape for many years that we we laughed at as a family it was one of our, our favorite memories yeah I mean it sounds like it was a great uh, great moment is that when you realized uh, music was the thing for you no, I was probably four years old at the time. So no, I had no idea what role music would play in my life. And I really did not fully embrace music as as a, a part of my adult life until uh, well after I graduated college. I moved to, I majored in international business and German studies, and I was just determined I was going to be a part of the corporate world. And then I worked for a few years in that world and realized that it just wasn't for me. So then I moved to Interlock in Switzerland for a year because I wanted to, to learn the German language a little, a little bit better. And so it was there because of the isolation that I felt. I was an au pair. And so I just, I rented a keyboard from the city center in, in, in Interlaken. And it was the best decision that I, I ever made because it really started me on a journey. I had already started kind of writing just to work through my feelings there. And it really started me on a path of just developing my own voice because I came from a, a background of sacred music and gospel music. And that was all we were really allowed to do. And so I, I listened to a lot of secular music, even though we were not allowed to growing up. I listened to a lot of that, but I, I, it just was always seen as something that was off limits. And so when I pulled away from that family unit and went to Switzerland and started writing, I began to write the kind of music that I, I felt good about singing, which was really more about my life experiences. And so that's, that's really when that seed was, was planted. So it was really while you were in Switzerland then that you kind of started, got started on songwriting. Was there anything about the place or maybe what you were experiencing at the time that led you to kind of want to do that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the if anyone's been to that that part of the world, Interlaken, Switzerland, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. I mean, it's just the entire country of Switzerland, but particularly the the western part of Switzerland. And so that's where I was and just all of the mountains and the lakes. And it was just so inspiring. And I spent a lot of time outdoors, more time than I had ever spent outdoors. And so I wrote a song called Beautiful Sun, which is actually on one of my albums. That was one of the first songs that I wrote while living and working in Switzerland. And it was it was an ode to the beauty of that country. So yes, that that country was very inspiring. And then, like I said, the just the isolation in general that I felt, um, it just, you know, it just it's it squeezes you and it, it pulls out all of the, you know, the oil that's inside. And, and, you know, you can't help but produce something, you know, for good or for bad. And so all I knew was to just put my energy into what I knew, which was music. Yeah, that's interesting. And are you not fluent in German? No, you know what? I, I can't say that I've ever been fluent. I actually was doing, this was the early 2000s when I went to Switzerland. And so I was doing better than I, than I ever had. I, I, I learned a very bookish version of German in school and we were conjugating verbs and all of these things. But I did not feel that, that fluidity or that fluency in the language until I went to Switzerland. And when I got there, I was able to converse with, with a lot of folks in German. 
um, a lot of non non Swiss people, because as you know, the the Swiss speak a different version. They speak a Schweizerdeutsch, which is a different version of German. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was a shock. But there were a lot of Austrians there, a lot of you know Kosovoans, people who were uh, guest workers and things like that. So I got a lot of opportunities to to you know practice the language, and I was I was doing pretty good there. I think you know by the time <laughs> I I left, I was there for a year. So you know I got in a lot of practice, but I've I've lost so much of it it's a lot of it's just gone that's great you know when i i lived in uh, prague for about two years and i really wanted to learn czech but then everybody kind of talked to me and uh, with me in in english and they expected mm-hmm. me to speak with them in english because they wanted to practice you know yes whenever absolutely. i asked them you know i'd love to learn czech they'd be like well no, we really want to know english right yeah <laughs> so that's had, a big that's a big problem lazy. too <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's a big problem too. They when they see, especially if they see an African American or black person coming, they know that you're not you're not a native, and they don't even they do not even allow you to try. It, it's a real challenge of of being you know a darker skinned person when you're you're traveling internationally because you are immediately known as as not being native. And to kind of follow up on that and get into a conversation about your most recent project, your eponymous album, Dar Star Tucker, uh, within which you present original compositions as well as reworkings or cover versions of compositions by other artists, I was interested to find that some of them uh, wouldn't necessarily fit within the quote-unquote traditional jazz standards category. And I wondered whether that's something that you kind of like to do. You like to pursue songs that wouldn't necessarily fall into the conventions of what jazz could be, also to kind of try to push the boundaries of that, of those conventions. Yeah, that's that's always been a part of my repertoire. And when I first started singing, because I moved from Switzerland to Nashville, because I started performing, and not performing, I started writing in Switzerland. And I thought, well, this is something that I would love to be a, a part of my life. And I don't know how big a part of my life I want, want it to be, but I wanted to be in a musical town. So I chose Nashville, which was close enough to my hometown of Tulsa that I was like, okay, I can get back there in a day. It's about a 10-hour drive. And so when I first moved to Nashville after leaving Switzerland, I wanted to write. I really wanted to be a part of the writing scene. That was kind of how I saw myself first as a writer. Uh, but then I also was interested in performing some great American songbook stuff. So I started to connect with musicians there locally and started to perform out. And one thing I noticed was that there were, there were a lot of singers who were doing great American songbook, you know, tunes. As gorgeous as they are, it just kind of becomes a bit of a cliche after a point to just be another chick singer that's just doing, you know, another version of, uh, you know, I don't know, to take your pick of, of any, any, any given standard, you know, the more I see you or, or whatever. Uh, beautiful songs, timeless songs, but it just, there was, there were just, there was just such a, a, a glut of, of, of that type of thing. So then the way that you distinguish yourself is to find, cover songs that are interesting to you and to put interesting arrangements on them. Like we have an arrangement of Annie's song on this album. And as you said, Billy, a Billie Eilish song, everything I wanted. And I've always kind of incorporated, you know, Bob Dylan's uh, song, uh, uh, to, to make you feel my love. You know, I used to perform early on and we would do kind of our own little twist on that. 
So it, 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 it brings a little bit of a surprise. It's a way to kind of, you know, it, you can, you can really ground yourself still in that uh, jazz tradition while bringing the listener something that maybe they did not fully expect and something that allows you to infuse something of yourself, um, into the program. And so, you know, with the songs that I was writing when I, when I was in Switzerland were not necessarily uh, suited for performance in, in jazz clubs and, you know, cocktail scenes and things like that. And I was also very sensitive about putting my music out there. And I didn't know if I really wanted people to hear it or to be eating steak tartare over my songs. And so that was another way that I could just incorporate um, material that I found interesting um, and just, just just put an interesting, like you said, an interesting little spin on it that that causes people to connect with something that they know, but in a different way. And also maybe there's that thing where, you know, you're kind of when you when you're recording a song by someone else or even your own of the, the, where you are at the moment that you're recording or where you're performing it, you know, where you are in your life and what you're experimenting with in terms of sounds and what you're interested in, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we would pick up songs. Um, it was a challenge for me with this album. It was like with a Billie Eilish song. I'm like. Why don't I plug in and try to pull something from the current era? You know, when people say they're, they're pulling from, you know, music that's, that's contemporary into the jazz canon. Half the time they're talking about songs from, you know, 25 or 30 years ago, which is, is, which is it's itself unusual with jazz. But I, I really try to be a musician who plugs in with what's going on today. I can't say that I necessarily know what songs are in the top 10 right now. I don't. Um, but I, I do try to stay somewhat plugged in to, you know, if there are award shows that are happening or if there are sounds that are trending on TikTok. I'm a big TikToker and I, I really try to keep my ear to the ground and to try to, to, to infuse some of that in the, in the work that I do in, in, in whatever way that I can. Cause I think, you know, we can never allow ourselves just to become totally disconnected with what's happening in the culture and to say, well, all the good stuff happened. 30, 40, 50 years ago, or, or when we were a child, you know, all the good stuff happened back when I was a kid, because I'm a Gen Xer. And so, you know, no, that's, that's, that's not okay. I think there's always, there's always fresh and interesting and relevant and wonderful things that are happening in the current age. We just, sometimes we have to dig just a little bit deeper to find them, but that's, that's really, really important to me to stay plugged in. Yeah, I understand that, but I also see, I also feel like uh, you know that's not the way a lot of people f uh, feel when it comes to recording their music because you know one thing I've noticed is that I'm not saying there's a reluctance to maybe embracing things that are happening in the now like you know what's uh, new songs by new artists but but maybe there is that 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 kind of reluctance of not letting go of the past and maybe trying something that's a bit it's a bit too uh, risque. Uh, in the in the jazz, especially in the jazz world, maybe do you, do you feel the same way? Oh yeah, there's there's a lot of you know that's that's probably one of my main criticisms uh, within the world of jazz is just that there's not there's not enough room for the new you know on on jazz radio the jazz playlists that you run across on streaming media we we as younger jazz artists are uh, unfortunately we're having to compete with with our heroes were having to compete with Billie Holiday and uh, Ella Fitzgerald and, you know, Dinah Washington for, for airtime. And you really can't say that about many other genres. You know, Taylor Swift does not have to compete with Dolly Parton 
or with, uh, you know, Loretta Lynn, I'm comparing her to country artists and she's not really that anymore. But you know what I'm saying? She does not have to compete with with her heroes. She is placed in an arena where she is put side by side uh, with her contemporaries. And so that's that is not a luxury that is afforded to us as, as jazz singers. So I think we have to, in the world of jazz, I think we have to intentionally make room for the new. We have to intentionally make room for the now because the genre will will die off other, otherwise. It will become a thing of the past if we are only interested in celebrating what has been or trying to recreate uh, what, what, you know, what has, has come before, but, you know, I think we have to, we have to make those intentional efforts to keep the music fresh. I had a dream. I got everything I wanted. Not what you think. If I'm being honest, it might've been a nightmare to anyone who might Thought I could fly So I stepped off the golden Nobody cried The track you are hearing is from the self-titled album by Dara Star Tucker, recently released and available now. And we'll return to our conversation with this multifaceted artist in a moment. But first, I wanted to remind you that if you love jazz and vinyl, you should check out Jazz's Vinyl Club, a new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz's editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we cover in the print version of Jazz's, Jazz's.com, and these Jazz's podcasts. Go to Jazz's.com and click on Join vinyl club but for now back to our conversation with dara star tucker but you can learn to if i could change the way you see yourself you wouldn't wonder why you're here well you bring up an interesting point because when you say that you are kind of competing with your heroes you mentioned billy holiday but of course it's all the jazz greats of the past john coltrane miles davis you, yeah, it's it's maybe the first time in history that that's happened, really, and especially in this particular way. So, does that encourage you to maybe look for other ways in which you can express yourself or spread your your message out and your music out? You mentioned TikTok earlier, and I and I've been you know watching your stuff on social media. Oh, <laughs> you know, you okay. still got some really great stuff, some really great videos. You've got a podcast series too. So you're, you're trying different things out all the time. I mean, you're kind of looking around. When, when we talk about doing that Billie Eilish cover, maybe being a little daring uh, and trying new things in music, you're also doing that with different media. Well, that's, you know, that is a, that is an extension of, of the, the philosophy that I talked about earlier uh, with, with just keeping plugged into what is going on in the culture. And I became aware of TikTok like a lot of other people did, because when people would share videos from that platform, there's a little watermark at the end of it, or there's a little watermark on the video itself. And there were so, so many cool things that were coming from, from there. I would see comedy sketches and I would see, you know, more serious things or informational things. And I'm like, wow, there's this, there's something going on on over there and I went and I put my music on there you know one little video uh, at the end of 2019 and nothing happened with it and I just thought well I don't know what this this platform is for but I was curious and so I went back in, in 2020 during the pandemic 
when a lot of the the uh, uh, racial and civil unrest was happening here in the United States and and abroad around the George Floyd killing and and Breonna Taylor and just all of the the you know the election that was happening here and there was so much that I wanted to say and I just thought well I have always felt just a little bit boxed in by being considered to only be a singer and people only expect one thing of me and I I don't only want to express myself in music I want to be able to to speak I want to be able to talk about the things that are that are on my mind and that are important to me and I feel like I have something to say that people need to hear and so that's what I started doing in 2020 on TikTok and you know have developed a, a pretty broad audience there and on you know other social media platforms as well it's been a real it's really been a life-changing thing for me but i yeah i I enjoy getting into to things that people maybe don't expect me to to move into and and finding other ways to uh, express who i am and and to say what i have to say what about the podcast series that i mentioned there i'm all over the place with Dara Star Tucker. I mean, what what prompted you to start producing this series and what do you see as it, did you see as its, you know, quote unquote mission statement? Well, I do a series on TikTok and on YouTube, Instagram, all the platforms. It originated on TikTok, but it's called The Breakdown. That's my kind of flagship series that I do. And these are probably three to seven minute little mini documentaries on various topics. They could be on race. They could be on culture. A lot of it's on pop culture, entertainment, music history, film history, and things like that. Just whatever's of interest to me. Some of it's media criticism and media literacy. Um, but I found that a lot of folks in the comment section, really, they had further questions and there were things that I needed to clarify about these topics that I would present. And so people would start asking, like, do you have a podcast? I want to, you know, just kind of do, do a, a deeper dive and, and listen in to, to other things that you have to say about this. And there was always more that I had to share. And so that was, that was the impetus for starting that podcast, that, that it is an extension of that breakdown series that I do on my social media. So I'll take any topic that I do uh, in the breakdown and then I'll put a tag at the end of the breakdown and I'll say, you know, tune into my podcast where, you know, I'll be discussing this topic at further length. So it's 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 really taken off. Yeah. I mean, I watched one uh, recently on uh, Nina Simone that you did that I thought was was really great. And actually, you know, uh, inspired by Nina Simone, because, you know, your music is the kind of music that aims to communicate messages. And then with these, with your activities on social media and your podcast series and the breakdown, you know, you also talk about social justice, you talk about history, culture. So Nina Simone once famously said the arts should reflect the times. Do you f- agree with the sentiments of this famous statement? Oh, yeah. I I quote that all the time. An artist's job is to reflect the times in in which they live. And she she passionately uh, believed in that. And I have learned that from her. I have learned how to speak out and how to use my voice both in music and beyond music um, to to reflect the times in which I am living. And I've learned how to be a more courageous artist and a more courageous person, a more courageous citizen because of Nina Simone's example. I've had the opportunity through the Nashville Jazz Workshop to teach several classes on Nina Simone's life and to present a night of music that was kind of combined with some teaching elements on Nina Simone. So I've done some some really deep dives into her and have just developed a, a tremendous respect for for all that she represented. So yes, I I very strongly, strongly agree with that sentiment. 
actually, uh, you know, just to return to, uh, you know, your upcoming album, obviously it's released after a time of un- great unrest, not only with the pandemic, George Floyd, now, you know, even here in Europe, there's a lot of unrest here, war in Ukraine. It just seems like, you know, the times that we live in are tough, <laughs> you know, for want of yeah. a yeah. Uh, better, better term. But, you know, do you find that while you were working on this record or just recently as a composer, as a musician, you've kind of reacted uh, to the times and you've kind of responded to them with your music? Well, I did really a direct response with the last album that I put out, which was called uh, Dreams of Waking. And that album uh, contained a lot of protest music from the 60s and 70s. And it also contained a song that I wrote called Do We Sleep, which was um, a very pointed um, song that was directed at exactly what had been going on around 2020. Uh, but with this album, it, I'm turning more internal and it's, it has become much more personal. I have uh, five original songs, five or six original songs on this album as well. So um, I have I've I've really allowed myself to express um, what's what's going on inside of me as a human being versus attempting to necessarily to speak to the world, because I think all change that happens in a culture begins with the individual. And so that, that has always been the focus of my writing. And I feel that that's, that's where some of my, my best work as a writer um, has come from, from speaking from a, a much more personal and, and self-reflective place. Well, that's interesting because, you know, I was thinking about this. I, I believe this is your sixth album uh, that you've released. and Something like but that. It's, <laughs> It's the first where your name, you know, is kind of the title of the record. And I, I, I wondered whether that was the, uh, the, the whole idea behind it. It's because, you know, this is maybe your most personal uh, record yet. Yeah, it is. It is a very personal record. I feel like uh, most of my records have been very personal, though. So I don't know that I would say it's the most, but it is it is a very personal um, album. Uh, the name, I think, because... Um, with my previous albums, they, I have gone by Dara, just Dara Tucker, and I chose to include, um, my full name, Dara Star Tucker. And that's the name that I use on my social media, Dara Star Tucker. And so this album really, um, represents for me the desire to merge those two parts of myself, that social media presence with my my musical um, entity, I guess, for lack of a better word, because a lot of people who watch me on social media, watch my, my commentary, don't necessarily know that I do music. And a lot of people who, who enjoy the music don't necessarily know that I have this other life, this other persona online where I do social commentary. And so for me, I, I really have a desire to see those two worlds fused and, and merged as much as possible. And so that's what that's representative of, um, just just becoming the, all of the parts of me kind of coalescing and, and becoming one. I also wanted to ask you more about something that you mentioned earlier, that you studied international business. And you actually graduated and worked in the, that, that kind of sphere for, for some time. And this is something that, you know, I, I don't get to ask often because, <laughs> you know, a lot of the times uh, musicians don't really have those those skills. But I wonder whether they kind of helped you in your career as a professional artist in, in some way, maybe gave you more confidence. 
Yeah, well, that's a good question. I, I did have the opportunity to work, and I've worked off and on uh, for years. It's only been in the last several years that I've become totally freelance um, with the various things that I do. So for most of my music career, I was working other other jobs. And a lot of times it would just be sort of secretarial jobs or something just to kind of um, main, maintain my household. Um, it was nothing that I put a whole lot of time and energy into just climbing the corporate ladder, as I said, because I just didn't have the stomach for that. But what I've learned in the corporate world is really, it really has more to do with, with practical skills um, and communication skills. I learned how to write letters, how to communicate uh, with people in a professional manner. And this is, you know, from going to school as well as being um, in the corporate world. And, you know, just learning how to be punctual, learning how to be on, uh, on time and, uh, learning how to be as, as, as efficient as possible with processes. I mean, there's, there's so much that you learn just by being in, in a corporate environment because, you know, a lot for a lot of my career until very recently, I had to do everything myself. You know, I designed, uh, the, the insides of my, my album, you know, liners and all of that stuff. I did that myself. All of the PR, the marketing, the communication, all of it was 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 me and and um and my working partner Greg Bryant we were a team of two so a lot of the skills that we learned in order to just be independent artists we did we did learn from from being in the corporate world and so you know i i don't know what it's like to be a musician who's never done anything else you know how do you how do you write a letter to a club that that is um you know professional sounding and and doesn't make you sound like you don't know what you're talking about you know if you've if you've never really had to do that in a in a, a corporate environment i don't know i'm sure you learn those skills along the way but definitely i've i've used a lot of those those administrative skills that i've learned and you know even learning how to how to type for goodness sake one of the best things i ever yeah. i ever did and uh, i've i've worked in a lot of marketing settings and things like that so i've i've had to design all of my own flyers i edit all of my own videos i'm just a you know self-contained studio or in you know within myself and and it's it's it has served me very very well you're, you're and you're also a passionate autodidact because you know you don't just stop and uh, you, you haven't stopped learning basically <laughs> after you graduated you just continue to interact with new ways to communicate and to spread the music and like I said it probably gives you more confidence in what you do and that's I think you know I mean I mean would you recommend you know maybe the new musicians the button musicians to augment their musical skills with skills in in business and real world skills yeah absolutely i think i think you know for a time i think it, it is important to to have that experience because you hear from so many musicians that you know they don't know how to do their taxes or they don't understand anything about finances and there's just a million and one life things that especially if you're starting out indie which most of us do most of us don't get picked up at, at 21 or 22 years old by a major label and then you know are, are thrust into the just the great grand world of everything no we we end up scrapping for a long time you know 10 or 15 years to get to the point where we are so yeah you're gonna need some some practical life skills and if i had advice for younger music it's that that's the kind of advice i would give it's practical advice learn how to type that's one of the best things that you can do learn how to write a business letter learn how to 
to be a, a good writer. Just get your writing skills up to a level where, you know, when you, you approach a club for a gig or you are writing out to try to get label interest or whatever that, you know, you don't sound like you just, you just fell off the turnip truck. You know, those things are important. Uh, learning how to use Photoshop so that you can design flyers yourself, learning how to do basic video editing. I mean, those are, those are, are really, really practical skills that will serve you well in your career. So, you know, whatever environment you, you pick those skills up, um, it's, it's not just all about the music. You know, it's, it's actually mostly not about the music, uh, at least at first. It's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, but the last, the final question is, what's your touring schedule looking like for this year? Well, we have several CD release shows or album release. I have to get out of that old verbiage. Album release shows that are happening because the album comes out on June 3rd. And as you said, it's self-titled Dara Star Tucker. So we have a show in my hometown of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I believe that's on the 9th of June. We have a, an album release show on the 3rd of June in Nashville, Tennessee. And we have another show here in Philadelphia later in June. I think it might be the 25th or something at South here in Philadelphia. And then we're doing a show in New York where we just moved from, where I, I just moved from um, at uh, uh, Jazz at Lincoln Center. I think that's where we're doing the, the album release show in September. What's the best way for people to keep up with all these dates and uh, everything else, you know, any news or any upcoming videos? Is there any... A any particular platform or website that uh, we could terrible word plug well <laughs> <laughs> well the you know i'm i'm active on all the platforms some people are like oh i don't do them, facebook yes. anymore i don't do let's whatever. list them let's I list do them yeah all of them <laughs> you can find me at dara star tucker it's dara with one r and star with two so dara star tucker on on facebook on youtube on tiktok on instagram instagram i'm dara tucker b that's the only one that's any different but you know i'm on twitter i'm i'm on all the platforms and then my website is dara star tucker.com and that's where you'll find the tour dates excellent thank you very much it's been a pleasure speaking with you thank you so much thank you for having me i've enjoyed it do you see what i see do not take it lightly do you know the way elegant and mighty weary now of fighting for another day do you still remember the sorrows that you Imagining you there. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dara Star Tucker and make sure to check out her recently released self-titled album and to follow her on social media as well. And if you love jazz and vinyl, you should check out Jazz A's Vinyl Club. Join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition color vinyl albums mailed directly to you. Just go to jazzays.com and click on Join Vinyl Club for more. And as music from Dara Star Tucker plays us out, I also encourage you to keep an eye out for more Jazz Is podcasts, our print magazine, and other great content available to you on our regularly updated website, jazzis.com. And if you like what you see, you can always subscribe for more. Till the next time, this is Matt Mikuchi signing off. See you soon. Would you live your life standing on?